Morning, everybody. You're all miles away, so I'm going to come really close. Didn't expect that, didn't you? We did left the front row empty. And I'm going to grab some water. Excuse me a sec. <coughs> Morning. I think there's a few faces I don't recognise. For those who don't know me, my name's Will. Um, I'm one of the uh, members of the Eden team who works with the young people throughout the church um, and also around the whole of Butterstraw supporting Gav and Maz um, in running that. <coughs> um, but I want to start this morning by telling you some stuff that's happened to me over the last week or so. Um, and most importantly, some of the doubts that I've been having through that. Because um, <coughs> life isn't always rosy, is it? It's not always just happy and lovely. So I'm going to be honest, I've had some real problems with God over the last week, 10 days, um, mainly to do with healing and to do with pain. So last week, a couple of weeks ago at Eden Life Group, we saw the most incredible healing. Um, does anyone, I think most people probably know Bradley Patterson, um, big guy, glasses, lovely fella. Um, we prayed for him because his shoulders and his neck were so sore that at one point he was literally lying on the floor because sitting in a chair was just too painful. So we prayed for him, um, and God totally and utterly, completely healed Bradley of his, of his neck pain and his, and his um, shoulder pain. It was just a complete miracle. To the extent that after we prayed a couple of times, this guy who couldn't get off the floor because it was too painful was jumping up and down asking if we could play Ultimate Ninja. <laughs> if you don't know what Ultimate Ninja is, next time you see Bradley, ask him, and you'll understand how if you had any pain in your back and your neck, you could not play Ultimate Ninja. But I had to marry this up against the pain our neighbour and our friend Sue had been going through for a few months now since she had an operation a while ago. And this ended last Friday in what seems to have been a completely unavoidable, sorry, a completely avoidable, sorry, it was avoidable, death last Friday morning. So my questions were something along the lines of how can who we call the God of love heal a reasonably fit and healthy young man. But then we've got this lovely lady over here who has so much suffering and pain and not heal her. See, this week has been a bit of a struggle for me and my relationship with God. Then Monday last week, it was the 13th anniversary of my dad's death. And the pain of that will always live with me. I think that no matter what happens, no matter where I am in my life, I'll always see things that make me think of him. There'll always be little reminders, and there'll always be tears when I see that, when I think about all that he went through, but also all that he left behind. And then on Monday, as I'm sure a lot of you have seen in the news, there was the absolutely horrendous news that one of Faith's school friends died on the way home from school. This is a confident 11-year-old girl who was taken from her family far too soon. That where is God in this pain and this suffering? So I know I'm, I'm not alone in feeling this deep sorrow for Ursula Keogh and for her family, or anger for Sue and how her life ended, or loss at the thought of my dad after all these years. These feelings are not unique to me. These feelings ripple through the whole of humanity. We all feel these feelings. 
So I'm going to ask this morning that we just spend a bit of time in reflection, in remembrance, and in thanksgiving. Not just for Ursula, who I think it's really important that we do actually acknowledge that today and pray for her family today, but also for the people in your lives, just to pay your respects to them, which I'm sure you do every day, but just to, just to mark it today. It could have been last week, it could have been this morning, it could have been so deep in the history books that most people expected you to have forgotten. But I know that pain will always be with us. It will always be with me and it will always be with you. So we're going to have a little bit of time of just to pray and reflect. Kim's going to play quietly for a wee bit. And <clears throat> um, during this time also, Gav's going to come up and Gav is going to uh, just kick off the communion situation over there. As you feel like you are able... Come up and serve yourself communion this morning, please. Don't kind of wait for Gav to, to bring it around or Gav to call everyone up. Just as you feel like you're in that moment, in your reflection and in your prayers, just come up and share with your family. Sorry about that. Turn it down a bit, please. Thank you. So, turn it down, please. Right down. <laughs> yes. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. We have a God that understands the pain because he went through the pain. He endured the cross. And not only did he endure the pain of his body being broken and his blood being spilt out in forgiveness for all, he suffered the abandonment of his friends. He suffered the separation from his loving father. And on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. So Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you that you have made a way to stand with us in our pain. Not just our own pain and suffering, but the pain and suffering we see around us. Lord, as we come to this communion table, 
and remember the sacrifice of the cross. We can also remember the victory that we have won. We have received because you have won it. In the name of Jesus. So we just invite you, church, if you are a believer in the power of the cross, if you're a follower and lover of Jesus Christ, then you are welcome to this table. Come as you feel you want to come. this morning. Lord, we just pray for their freedom, for their release from suffering, release from pain, but also pray for us, Father. I pray that you, you bring us peace, you bring us freedom. Amen. So one morning this week, um, I was in the shower before I went to work. It is that time of the month. And I was thinking about all that's gone on over the last fortnight. Um, and I was worshipping while I was in the shower. Which, and I really felt God say to me so clearly that, um, I had to check I wasn't on my own, um, <clears throat> that these shackles that I'm wearing, and it feels like we are wearing, are not from him. He doesn't want me to feel like this. I just want to point out right here that I think that my, my doubts and my questions and my anger have been absolutely fine. Um, I think God is big enough to handle that. I think God is big enough to handle us doubting him. He's big enough to handle us being confused at when he chooses to move and when he chooses not to move. He's big enough for all of that. He could deal with us, with us feeling like that. But I felt him say that he wants me to throw these shackles... He, he, sorry, he wants... Yeah, he wants to throw these shackles off me. And he wants me to worship him through all circumstances. Those words might sound quite familiar to some of you because I was actually listening to a particular song at the time. So we're going to play that song now, if that's all right, Grace. Feel free to sing along. Feel free to just listen. Feel free to do whatever you want to do while this is playing. Let's be great. You know what I'm saying? Uh. I just wanna praise you. I just wanna praise you. Yeah, yeah. 
So I've learned this week that no matter what our circumstances, no matter what we're going through in life, we can always praise him. His love is consistent for us. It's our interpretation which is inconsistent. All the questions I've thrown at him, God has remained the same. Just how I've seen it has changed. So thank you for indulging me this morning. I hope you all found that as useful as I did. But I'm going to move on now. After a week. So, I was here a couple of months ago talking to you. And um, for those of you here might remember that I felt God had given me four really clear and distinct messages to bring to you. So, here we go. We're not going to begin by having a quick look at the build-up to the Ten Commandments. So I might dip in and out of the Bible this morning. Um, apologies if I do and I lose you. But here, I've got a printout of the Bible verses I'll be reading from. Um, so if you want to take that with you, um, you can use it either for some personal reflection, 
you might want to make paper airplanes out of it, or you can use it in your life groups to kind of just uh, focus on some of the, the messages that God's bringing this morning. So, Exodus 20 starts. <laughs> we'll get there. It's been on the screen about four times this morning already, just not when we actually need it. It's weird. We'll get there. Anyway, I'm going to read it to you anyway. So, Exodus 20 starts with the words, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So God didn't just roll up in Egypt, find Moses and Aaron, and say, hey, what's going on here? Are you guys, are you guys slaves now? I'll tell you what, take these ten rules that I've, I've written on some stone, couldn't find any paper, so I used some stone. You start a living call to them, especially the one about not coveting your neighbor's ox. And in 20, 15 to 20 years, I'm going to come back See how you're getting on. And if you've managed to keep all of those rules, then I'm going to rescue you and I'm going to deliver you to the promised land. God didn't say that, did he? God saw his people in trouble. He saw they had taken a fantastic situation in Egypt. They had it really good in Egypt under Joseph. But slowly, slowly it had been eroded. Then he really noticed what was going on. But they'd almost become so addicted to the good life in Egypt that they had then become slaves of it. They were living for it, they weren't living through it. So God delivered his people from slavery. They escaped all the Egyptian armies. They followed him miraculously. He fed them and watered them in the middle of the desert. They defeated every single army that came out against them because God was on their side. Then he said to them, right, you're my people, I'm your God to enjoy the most perfect freedom from this relationship, live by these rules. So Jesus himself explains this in Matthew 22. If the screen's working, Grace. Is it working? No? Okay. In Matthew 22, Jesus explains to himself. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So how as God's people do we live our lives in the light of this grace that he has for us? We need to see that God's grace cannot be earned we don't earn God's grace by coming to church every Sunday, thankfully, because I wouldn't have much if we did. We don't earn it by tithing regularly. We don't earn it by praying really long and Im impressively elegant prayers. We don't even earn God's grace by doing good acts. God's grace came to us first. He gave us his grace first. And it's in the light of his love and his grace for us that we want to do these things as a response to it. So Paul writes a letter to Titus. He calls Titus his true son in their common faith. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, 
but because of his mercy. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things. Oh, nearly there. I've lost my say, sorry. So that those who have trusted in, in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everybody. Excuse me. So, <clears throat> here in Titus we see that Sorry, this is distracting me. It isn't just about doing the right stuff, but it's actually about doing the right stuff and doing it with the right heart too. It's not just about doing the right stuff. It's about doing the right stuff with the right heart. Before we moved here, we'd heard about all the things that were being done in Buttershaw Baptist Church. We heard about the 4 p.m. Eden-led service, we heard about the shortened service with the community lunch. And that's just naming just a couple. And they sounded great. But when we saw them with our own eyes, we saw that although these things on the outside seemed like the right things to be doing, involving families in Buttershaw, encouraging young people to lead, to change traditional church formats to suit the community that we live in, what we realized was the heart didn't seem right behind them. It must have been there when they were started just Jesus wasn't there at the centre of what we were doing then and this I believe is ultimately why we weren't attracting the community to these things, in fact in some cases we couldn't even attract our own church to these things so how can we make sure that when we start things in keeping with God's will we keep the right heart behind them think of it like this you might have been helping someone in a very serious situation for quite some time, but you find yourself getting annoyed with them. The situation and the reliance on you to make things happen just starts to grate you. Search your heart. See if you're still following God at the heart of what you're doing. See if you're still doing it for his glory. See if you are still doing it to see his kingdom come. If you can say yes to all of those things, fantastic. You can realign your heart. You're realigning your heart and you can carry on. So usually we start things for the right reasons. So how do we ensure that the heart behind it stays the same? In my mind, this church in particular is here for one mission, and one mission only. This can be expressed in many, many, many different ways, but at the center of it, there is one mission for this church. We are here to serve the people of Buttershaw. Please agree. <laughs> Excellent. Let's go have another drink then. As I say, this can be expressed in so many different ways. But we need to keep on checking that the heart is behind it. We need to not be afraid to stop things that have become stale and damaging, either to the community or to us. 
we don't just have to wait for something to be failing before it stops. Something might be progressing, but it feels like the heart has changed behind it. So we, we shouldn't be afraid to stop those things and start what God is saying is next. We need to keep on checking the heart of what is behind what we're doing. It's not just about doing the right stuff. It's about doing the right stuff with the right heart. Light isn't just an absence of darkness. Light is bigger. Light is deeper. Light is more important than that. The light of the world is beyond all of our human understanding. We are called to be light, and we need to shine a beacon from the top of our church building so that everyone and anyone know that they can come here and they can experience God's grace It doesn't matter what they've done. They need to come here knowing they can be welcomed into God's house and not be afraid and not be judged and not be talked about and not be spoken down to. They can come here and experience God's grace. Peace. Peace is not just an absence of hostility. Peace means wholeness. It means oneness with God. It is every single kind of blessing and good thing. It is beyond all of our human understanding. But we need to be a house of peace. A safe haven from the broken and damaged world. A place where the most downtrodden in our society, the depressed, the desperate, the broken, the beaten, the mistreated of all of God's people can come here and be sure that they will receive peace. They'll receive a loving ear to speak to. They'll receive a loving shoulder to cry on. They will not be judged. They will not be hurt. And they need not be afraid. Because this will be a house of peace. This will be a house of light. This will be a house that serves Buttershaw and follows one God. Hopefully, that sounds like a church we all want to go to. Because that's what God has told me, this is the sort of church he wants to see. I don't think we're a million miles away from being in that church, by the way. (laughs) So, I want to give some time for people to to pray, to be prayed for, to pray for people, to pray for each other, to just feel the spirit, pray for them, pray for them. Um, someone told me a picture the other week of um, they saw Jesus stood there with a bowl in his hands, and it's like they, they say in Revelation that um, that there, there is there is a bowl of an incense bowl which is all of our prayers on earth, and they're being presented before God, and that. Um, as a group of us were praying together, they saw Jesus sat there with this bowl in front of him as he was praying, and the prayer was literally pouring into this gold bowl, waiting to be given to God at the end of times. So Jesus wants to do that in the day. Jesus wants to minister to us today. Jesus wants to pray with us and for us. Sometimes through another person, sometimes you can do it just sitting there on your own and just listening. So, I want to spend as long as it takes doing that this morning. 
praying for each other, praying for our church, praying for our community. So if you would like prayer this morning, please either just stick your hand up and someone near you will put a hand on your shoulder and come and pray for you, or come to the front and there'll be some people, there'll be some people who will come and pray for you. Don't worry, it'll be fine. We'll find someone. Um, or if you just want to say to the person next to you, this is what I'm feeling God is saying, then we can pray for that too. If you just want to experience the grace, the peace, and the light of God in your own life, and I can't see why any of us wouldn't want that this morning, then just stick your hand up and pray with the person next to you. You're right to pray for a little bit, pray, pray for a little bit, Kim.